Well, hello, everybody. My name is Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Good afternoon. And Pastor Bonnie. Hey. So glad that you're here to join us. Yeah, shout out Bonnie Yo. on the squash. Eh? I'm here on a Tuesday. All right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, welcome to the Monday morning recap happening on Tuesday yeah. afternoon. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's Thoughtful Tuesday, that's all. No, thoughtful <laughs> Tuesday. Thoughtful Tuesday. So um, for us to open up a few weeks ago, we opened with... Uh, we were talking about Pepsi versus Coke. True. We were talking about soda, Coca-Cola Factory, the Beverly, mm. most disgusting drink. <laughs> and I brought up uh, the Manhattan Special. So it's coffee soda. And I've known about this for a long time. I've never actually tried this. And then recently, somebody in my family's like, oh, yeah, I love the Manhattan Special. I'm like, what? Since when? Like It was like the week we recorded it. <laughs> so I picked some up and thought we could try it. So Live. I feel like this is an amalgam of like two different starters because mm. last week we talked about Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts. Mm. So we got coffee, we right. got soda. Now let's have coffee soda. There right. it is. So we're going to try this. I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what it's going to taste like. Uh, this one's mine because I dropped that ice. So <laughs> You dropped it? <laughs> I, I dropped the ice. And then you mm. put it in the cup? It was on the table. but Oh, I okay, I, okay. I I'll thought it was like one I'll of those you it. dropped on the floor because those I just kick under the mm. fridge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Wait, at home, at church, oh, or okay. at both? <laughs> we have mold downstairs. D, all in the of kitchen, the above. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. All right. On the count of three? Oh, wow. Wait, wait, wait. What are your. No, okay. okay. If we were to do a coffee tasting, you actually start with the aroma. Okay. So the aroma, what are you getting right now? It's very coffee. Yeah, yeah. It smells it's very really coffee. good. It yeah, looks like it Coke, good. though. It looks like Coca-Cola. Yeah, it definitely smells like espresso, but looks like Coca-Cola. Mm. It's very foamy, though, for soda. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's... Mm. Wait, like normally the soda? Like, normally the soda foam, like, Goes away dissipates by pretty quickly. Yeah. This yeah, is true. like... This is like... Okay. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, wow. Wait a minute. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Oh, it's not bad. It's yeah. I actually think that's pretty good. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's basically a carbonated cold brew. Like, like it's like a cold yeah, iced I'm coffee. Surprised. Carbonated iced good. coffee, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'd probably drink this. This would we be might a have did good something summer. with this. This is good. Yeah. All right, everybody. Mm. All right. Well, apparently you should be talking to your family more because they got some this good. This is pretty good. <laughs> Delicious <laughs> Manhattan Special since 1895 espresso premium coffee soda. This was a dollar twenty-seven in Shoprite. All right. Yo, so, this it really. Yeah. You know what? It's like up. it's like vanilla Coke, but instead of vanilla, There's coffee. a little coffee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is nothing yeah. like I had said before about the the Pepsi Kona, which tastes like it was like coffee flavored Pepsi. Yes. This is nothing like that. This is likable. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm really surprised. This I is was good. not expecting that. Mm. No. I was I was expect, expecting like a bitter, like real coffee, yeah. coffee Me type too. of yeah. Me too. But no, I get it's sweet. The, it's really yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's uh, that was I could drink that for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> On New Year's I tried um actual espresso in Coca Cola. Okay. It was not good. Mm. It was weird. <laughs> it was interesting, but, no, but that was good. Man, it's special. <laughs> Shout out. All right. All right, Starbucks. Get on get on the ball. I know, right? This past Sunday, we started a new series at church. Pastor Jeff started a series called Anonymous. And um when the bumper first played, I was sitting next to Abby and she was like like it was like all about prisons and stuff, and then this guy was like putting 
I guess like he's in the prison and then it said anonymous and she's like, I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like this got this guitar behind it and stuff. Mm, yeah. But um uh we're talking about how we're not anonymous in God's eyes. And so week one was about how prisoners have numbers, but children have names. And I think the sermon was really great. You know, we'll talk about it. Um he talked about the scripture in Isaiah forty three one that um I've called you by name, you are mine, and that's what God says about us. And he says that um, you're not just a statistic. I think Pastor Jeff kept coming back to this. You're not just a statistic. Mm-hmm. You have a name and you matter to God. But, you know, this thought crossed my mind, and maybe we could talk about it for a second. Um, isn't God omniscient? Like, maybe you can be sitting there hearing that and thinking, like, what's the big deal? Like, God knows everything. Doesn't he know everybody's name, like, by default? So why is it significant when we say, hey, you're not just a statistic. God knows your name. Why is that important? Well, I think the idea is that it's we're talking about value, right? That I, I, at least that's what I kind of like dumb it down to, or not dumb it down to. Maybe Simplify. that's not the right Simplify. word. Simplify, Simplify it, right? Like it's about value, and I think when you're talking about value, um, him knowing your name by default because he's omniscient is like okay. But what we're trying to communicate is that not only does he know your name, but you have value in his eyes. It's it's deeper than just like, because I can say, oh, you, like, for example, when you meet somebody for the first time, you know their name. But then when you get to know them intimately, it's like, no, I know this person. Yeah. And I think that that's the idea that is uh, trying to be communicated throughout the series is that, hey, you know what? You have intrinsic worth and value in the eyes of God. Hmm. I have a story that comes to mind. Um <clears throat> Pastor Ronald, even before you came uh, and Pastor John was here, we had an opportunity to go see President W. Bush in Freehold. And so we all went and, and we knew who he was and and because um, everybody knew the president. So you're there. It's all excited to meet him. And he came down with the with the security, the Secret Service, and we got to shake hands with him and all those things. So I knew his name. And I even got to shake his hand. But I really don't know him. Right. You know, so it's, it, it's and, and he would never recognize me if he ever saw me again, that he ever met me or shook my hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. Like, it's it's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. Right. Yeah. You know, God knows about us, yes, because he's omniscient and he does know everything about us. But that's different than relationship knowing us. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Yeah, the, well, the whole idea of statistic, you know, is that you're just a number, another number. You're just another product. Mm. Um, but And when we think of God as a creator, I think sometimes in our mind we get this, like, idea of, like, an assembly line, you know, mm. where he's just, like, spitting us out. Like, like we're just, like, the humans being born, like, one right after another after another, and God just, like, creating these humans. But, the, you know, the Bible really talks about how he creates each and every one. Yeah uniquely and individually and and each has you know a specific you know mark on them by god so everybody's an individual created and so him knowing our names meaning he creates us from the start each individually and specially yeah yeah that's a really good analogy yeah when you said pastor bonnie when you said product i immediately thought of well i think that's probably when you said product the thought that came to my mind is this is why this series i think is important mm-hmm. is because right now in our society everybody understands consumerism mm-hmm. like that's kind of 
almost like a low a lull of a hum throughout american mm-hmm. society you know um you know we love amazon we love amazon mm-hmm. prime it's like mm-hmm. you know like so it can be easy to uh take principles from consumer-based like mentality and apply it to faith and all of a mm-hmm. sudden say well yeah okay well, I'm, I just attend church. I just come here. I'm just another person, uh, another cog in the wheel to help make this machine kind of function. But, um, you know, what this series is about is like, no, you have worth, you have value, you have a place, you have purpose. And I think that when you say the word product, I think that's what mm. uh, that resonates to me. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that may be some of the issue with why people may feel anonymous or even like to be anonymous because, mm. um it allows them a freedom to go unnoticed, allows them a freedom to kind of um, fly, quote unquote, under the radar. Um, and so that's where I mm-hmm. think some of that mentality may come from just in our culture right now. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of thinking, like we read the verse where, you know, for God so loved the world. And it's easy to say, yeah, I'm a part of the world. So, of course, he loved me. But the idea of just being like a faceless person in a group mm-hmm but it's much more personal to that. It's more like God loves the world and part of loving the world means he loves me as an individual, not just as a part of like a large mass, you know, group Mm -hmm. that, that I really am an individual that God's personal love connects with, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think when the Bible talks about us as God's children, it really is like the right picture that we're his children. Like, when you said assembly line, Pastor Bonnie, I was thinking like, mm. um, like Legos, mm. like, so maybe that's how you can feel. God loved the world and God created all of us. Like every Lego man is different. I mean, mm. the faces and bodies and hats are recycled. So really I'm still, I'm just, I'm not particularly special, but no, that's not true. It, I'm, mm. I'm God's child and I'm truly unique in his eyes. I have that value. Like you were saying, Pastor Jamal. Yeah. That one, when Pastor Jeff used that verse from uh, Isaiah, I got so you know what? Somebody needs to do this one day. I really believe you could really preach the gospel through Disney movies. Like I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced oh, of this. So. And like, has that not happened? Yet? I, I feel like I, I don't know. I, okay, I don't. Okay. I haven't. I don't think I've heard anybody do it before. Mm-hmm. But I'm putting it out there, universe. Somebody, whoever's listening, put it together. Yeah. But so when he said that verse. The first thing I thought about was uh, Andy writing his name on the bottom of uh, Buzz's mm. shoe. Mm. Like it's that moment where it's like he's like, "No, man, you're you're Andy's. Like this is you yeah. belong to him, and yeah. and he cares about you. Like yeah. that's why. Like when he was missing, he was so like, "Yo, what's going on?" To throw like a monkey wrench in that, some people though feel like feel the way Woody did in the first movie, mm-hmm. where they right. are like, "Oh, I you say that I belong to Andy, but like." does God really see me? Like, does he really see me? I feel as though right now in this space and time in life that maybe I'm just kind of like not on his radar when that's not, that's not necessarily the case. So, yeah. but I I just thought about that picture of Andy writing his name on his shoe. And then obviously, and now I'm getting a little emotional, <laughs> but like, you know, later on in the saga, uh, when, when Woody is lost and then he is found again and, 
um, he had, I guess, the toy maker, the vintage toy maker had found him, saw that Andy's name was on there, and he painted over Andy's yeah. name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and back then, back when he first got picked up by Andy, he was still a little kid, so he wrote the N kind of backwards. Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. then when and when Woody is found again in the saga and brought back into right. the fold, Andy puts his name back on there, and it's kind of cool that N is now yeah, yeah, right kind of like the right way. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. just like a cool little... I, just, I was gonna say I just got another picture in my head because you were talking about like, the toy maker and stuff, and you know, as a musician, like I like I'm always interested how instruments are made and created, and you know, there's there's one vein of instrument, you know, instrument making where you just make you know them in a line and you give them a serial number and they're just all the same carbon copy, but then there's those special instruments that are custom made mm -hmm. custom designed, like they're named, they're formed like specifically for you, specifically for a, a specific purpose, and mm -hmm. I feel like you know that different that differentiation is how god creates us it's not just like one right after the other but it's like custom specific like for a purpose like with a name with mm -hmm. a you know with a specific design in mind and like mm -hmm. to do a specific job so yeah. that's really good no, and good. um thinking about the toy story analogy actually that you had pastor jamal the sermon didn't really go this way but it made me think too like when in the first one, when Buzz was new to the room and, you know, like uh, what he was getting jealous, we could go the other way with it and be like that as well, that I'm so special to God. I'm so important. We don't want to make room for mm. other people. Yikes. And, you know, yeah, somebody new is coming and mm. we want to celebrate that, but we're a little bit in the way a little too much. But that wasn't really where the sermon was going. No, but I was just good. thinking about that analogy. No, that, makes sense. that can also be true. So, um, so Pastor Jeff really talked about um, two main uh, the difference between two main things he said there's the darkness and danger of not knowing or being known by God and then he talked about the light and life of being known by and knowing God and so in the first part the darkness and danger of not knowing or being known by God you know, he started with uh, last week actually was the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz um, which was a really big deal um, obviously it's a really heavy topic mm -hmm. um, but uh I thought it was really significant. He talked about a video. We actually watched it in the office. I don't know if if you guys had seen that too. There was a guy talking about his experience when he went, uh, when he first went there, and how they like uh, shaved him, gave him new clothes. You know, they tattooed a number on him. He yeah. got like a ration ball, which he said was like your lifeblood. Mm -hmm. um, and it's is cool. It wasn't like graphic or anything. It was just like he was talking about a story. It was yeah. pretty cool to hear um, him, you know, talk about what he experienced. But anyway, so Pastor Jeff said that being called by a number dehumanizes you. It strips you of your identity. And so, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe you had a story or you can think of a time. Can you relate to that point in some way? Not Probably not to the level, obviously, of uh, what he's referring to in the Holocaust, but like the idea of being stripped a little bit of identity or that you're just a number. Have you ever felt that way before or have you experienced that in some degree one way or another? I'm going to say yes. Um, I'm going to say yes. I actually, this is, it sounds weird, but I remember, oh man, ooh, okay. I remember at a very young age, like maybe kindergarten, um, my, some kids in our neighborhood, we were part of a program, a busing program where we got bused from the inner city into the county. Um, into some real high-end, you know, schools. And 
we obviously did not look like a lot of those kids uh, there. And I I vividly remember, so this is, I don't even know if these even exist anymore, but Discovery Zone was like a thing, right? And, you know, if you had your birthday party, it was like a competition. You go to Chuck E. Cheese, you go to Discovery Zone, you know? And so this kid was having a birthday party at Discovery Zone and, um, and basically he's handing out you know, birthday invitations, but he didn't hand out birthday invitations to the bus kids because we we were bust kids, like we were bust wow. in. Yeah. And I remember that vividly. And I remember being like, "What?" So then the next day, the kid's mom uh, was there with him with invitations, and she was basically standing there like, "No, you're going to give invitations to everybody." Mm-hmm. And that was my first time that I was like, "Like I." I think that was the first time I bumped into that type of like attitude uh, and I just didn't understand like what it was about. And I remember bringing it home to my dad and I was like, Oh dad, look, I, I got an invitation, but I had already told him the day before about what had happened. And so my dad was like, yeah, we're probably not going to go like, you know, um, but that was probably the first time I was there. Yeah. Like kindergarten. And like, I didn't understand. I'm thinking to myself like, Oh man, this is going to be great. Like get to go to discovery zone. Cause I'd never been to Discovery Zone. Always saw the commercials, mm-hmm. um, so I was excited. I was like, "Yo, this is gonna be great!" But my, <laughs> but then you know, my dad was like, "Yeah, we probably we probably won't go." I mean, this was a hot, listen. This school was it had money, like it had money because the lunchroom had like a Pizza Hut in it, it had a Taco Bell in it, okay. and we were in kindergarten. I was like, "What is this?" I was wow, like, I've never seen this before. It was crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that that was probably the first time that I experienced that. But I just have always, it's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I think about a time uh, I, I, guess, I guess I don't know just maybe I felt like somebody just was saying that I was generic this girl I was friends with in youth group she's a black girl like but she said we were just joking around but one time she was like Matt you're a straight white Christian male you're as generic <laughs> as it gets <laughs> if you want anything in your life you're gonna have to work for it That's crazy <laughs> and maybe now she would you know, probably say something different but like i remember thinking like oh okay so you know sometimes i actually think of that or you know like guess what i really like star wars like i like lord of the rings like you know they say a lot of like white guys like those things so sometimes i'm like and I've been, I was, went to the Midwest for a couple of weddings and I was like, there's a lot more people who look like me out here. <laughs> like, I feel kind of generic, like, like, you know, so like, I, uh, maybe that's how I've experienced it. No, but you're, no, no, you can't let that rock. You can't let that settle, bro. Don't let that, don't let that cling to you, cuz. I was going to say, it's not a personal experience, but when he was talking about, you know, the, how the numbers dehumanize, all that was like playing in my head was the song from Les Mis that where Jean Valjean is like, he's 24601, 24601. And then at the end of the song, he's like, I'm Jean Valjean. And he oh, like, yeah, yeah. Bla- you know, blurts out his name. Like, I'm not just a number. I'm yeah. just na- I'm a name. Like, I'm a person. That's so good. Yeah. All yeah. the musical people that, yeah. that are wa- listening like, to yeah, this yeah, podcast are like, yeah, Les Mis. You have to play that song after this. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a story about the opposite. Mm. That maybe yeah. will help you think about this. Yeah, uh, bring I, some light to this. I <laughs> had, <laughs> I, I actually had um, when I was in high school, my sociology teacher, social studies teacher, he kind of did a couple things. Used to all the time call me Huffy, mm. 
and he never actually used my name. He called me, it was always Huffy. But the thing that kind of sticks in my mind about it, and I didn't even like social studies, but the thing that sticks in my mind about it is there was something very personal about that, Mm -hmm. that he had his own name for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, so what I may not have had the experience of being dehumanized. There was an experience of like, uh, it sounds goofy, but like a, a different kind of closeness when mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. a name for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your story reminded me of a story, um, actually an experience that happened to me in college with uh, my college professor. He was an entry level English teacher. He just taught how to write a research paper, basically. And he, instead of asking us for our college ID numbers or to fill out any kind of generic information on cards, he went around the room and asked all of us to give him our first and last initial. And after we all did, he proceeded to say, okay, you are Bonnie Philhauer and you are an education major and your GPA is, I don't know, three point whatever it was at the time. And he told he, every single person, he told their major, their GPA, wow. their first and last name, and then sometimes like other information he found from their file or whatever, but he memorized it all. Wow. Completely. It was crazy. So he made us feel, you know, like we were Special. mattered to him. Yeah. yeah. You, were, you weren't just like another student. Exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly. And he's flexing his genius IQ level there. <laughs> well, he was just an amazing teacher. That's pretty dope though. All yeah. Around, but yeah. That's cool. And so, um, you know, yeah, that, that's some of the stuff that we're talking about that God knows about us. Um, Pastor Jeff mentioned this. He says... He was quoting the book of Romans and also in Revelation, but he said how the Bible says that if you don't know Jesus, you, you're a prisoner. Prisoners have numbers. Children have a name. Before you know Jesus, you know, you're a prisoner. Or he said it, it's, it says that we're slaves to sin, but that could also be a prisoner. Um, how does not knowing Jesus make you a prisoner? Like, um, I think Paul is one who kind of lays it out there, you know, telling us that at, at one point in time we were slaves to our sin we were slaves to our to our flesh there was um there was a uh, i guess the way he kind of unpacks it in, in both i think in romans and also in um galatians is he he breaks it down and saying listen there's a the flesh and then there's the spirit and you can be submissive to the spirit or you can be ruled by your flesh. And I think that when we are outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ, um, oftentimes you are subject then to the, to the flesh and you are a slave and a prisoner to the flesh. And so when Jesus steps in and he says, Hey, I have a new way of life for you, um, that, uh, brings about freedom, you know, and you, it's basically he's basically calling you to be set free from the prison of you know uh of sin and death and live a life of the spirit and to live it more abundantly you know Mm -hmm. so i think that's the best way i can put it yeah i kind of uh, i guess like when i'm thinking about like belonging to jesus knowing him like identity comes from him right our acceptance comes from him so if you don't know him i think one drive that we have as people sometimes is we want to matter we want to feel like we belong we want to feel like people love us that we are cared for and that can really rule your life where you're constantly seeking to know like tell me i'm good tell me i'm good tell me you love me and Mm -hmm. and 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 people will do a whole lot of different things to try to 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 fill that 
that need to be loved, that need to be accepted, need to be affirmed. But when we come to know Jesus, like in scripture, like we learn that we are accepted fully in Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, we are completely his and loved and his child. And even so in our brokenness, even in our brokenness. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's because of our brokenness that he even came, right. you know? And, and so like, I think how, how are we not a prisoner once we come to know Jesus? Cause now we don't have to like go through all these things, trying to be loved because through Jesus, we are loved. Yeah. You're already loved. Yeah. Which is, yeah. In in our sin, <clears throat> we're looking for ways to matter. We're looking for ways to satisfy ourselves in all of these different ways. And so we're a prisoner to that. Yeah. But when yep. we understand that we're loved and known by Jesus, we're no longer a prisoner to our sin. Even though right now on this side of you know eternity, we're still wrestling with our sin nature. Um, I don't need to be ruled by that anymore because I know Jesus and his love and he's given me a spirit. That's really cool. Yeah. And I think too, like the idea of like, now I'm free to be me. I don't have to be what I think you want Yeah. so that you like me. Yeah. I can be me because I know I'm fully loved and I don't have to worry about, uh, being desirable hmm. or lovable or, Yeah. Know, even taking it outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves, like when you think of prison, you think of escape. And, you know, let's just be honest, this world is can be a prison. Like sure. this world can just be like, you know, there's days where you're just like, if you don't know Jesus, you can be like, is this all there is? Right, hopeless. <laughs> and if you know Jesus, there's days where you're like, thank God I don't have to be here. <laughs> Living hope, come on. <laughs> you know, yeah. forever. Right. Like, thank God there's an escape. Thank God, right. like, it, this is not, this is not the end this all be all. This is the end of everything. Yeah. Because yeah. that would change things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm throwing a monkey wrench in the middle of this, but I'm thinking about also too in Romans when Paul says that, you know, you were once slaves to sin, now you're slaves to righteousness. So mm. he makes that, he turns it on its head. He says, you know, in, in this respect, um, you could, you, you're a prisoner to these things, but now in Christ Jesus, you have come, you've become kind of a prisoner to righteousness. So then pursue righteousness and be tethered to righteousness, be bound to righteousness in the mm-hmm. same way that you would have been bound, you know, yeah. uh, or be enslaved to your, you know, um, your sin. There is a man. Oh, wow. I, mm-hmm. I'm p- pressing in a little bit, but like, so Flip Wilson, I don't maybe people don't probably know who that is but he was an actor and he would do um these a bunch of these different like uh characters and like um one of the characters he would do he would always like do something crazy and then he'd be like the devil made me do it right and he would always that was his (laughs) thing he'd be like the devil made me do it and so i think people live their lives in that way they say well i just can't help myself like you know i like Mm. i need to do this or i have to do this and in that way you kind of see people kind of like living out that that idea of being a slave to sin, like I just can't help myself, I have to do this thing, or yeah. you know, I have to do this, but then Jesus comes along and offers a whole new way of life, says, no, you don't actually have to live that way. By the power of the Spirit, you are now free from the bondage of, of yeah. sin, you're free from death, you're free from this obligation to serve your own flesh, and you are now free to live in righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, mm. And so, you know, <clears throat> even think about well, all you guys have said so far. So thinking about maybe caring about what people 
um, trying to impress people to a certain degree. I heard it said recently, like you should care what people think. Like, please go outside with clothes on. <laughs> like, you know, it's like so please. you know, yeah. want to like overemphasize. Like, I don't care what people think. Like, all right, you know what you want to do your hair in the morning or whatever. But that I don't need to live my life trying to impress people, trying to get people's approval. Um, I'm not a prisoner to people's approval anymore. That I don't need to post things on Facebook hoping I get enough likes or on Instagram, whatever. Um, at work, I don't need to say things and joke around in a certain way that I'm hoping I get my friend's approval, mm-hmm. that they accept me, I can have confidence in who I am and what God wants to do through me now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so Pastor Jeff said, when people are anonymous, it's easier for them to do wrong. And actually, I even think about, Pastor Ryan, what you were just saying about your professor and how Pastor Jeff shared that study that when a teacher knows a student, when yep. when there's that relationship there, they're less likely to cheat because of the guilt of uh, the you know the consequence of being caught. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when people are anonymous, it's easier for them to do wrong. The darkness of anonymity can feed sin. Um, why is that the case? Why why is that true that it's easier to do wrong when you're anonymous? I don't, I don't know actually. I don't know if I have a thought on that one. When you're I, anonymous, yeah, it, it's 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 a deep question that I'm like trying to ponder here, and I, I maybe it's because then you can be whoever you want to be in the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like, like if, like, I don't have to just, I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> right, you're not yeah. obligated to follow the rules, right, because of anonymity, right? right? Anonymity allows for you to not. Ooh, I got it, because. When you're in the light, now you're held to a standard. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're in the darkness, you, there it, that standard isn't there. Exactly. So you don't have to uh, meet that expectation. But there are some people who really shy away from this because to have an expectation placed on them, sometimes they get like, "Well, I don't like, I don't, I don't like having expectations put on me." But I sometimes I tell this to the students. I'm like, having an expectation of you doesn't necess- is not a bad thing. It just means somebody sees the potential in you to do amazing things. Yeah, to like do more than every, where you are now. Right. Not every expectation is a bad thing. Like if someone places an expectation on you, they say, hey, you know what? I expect you to do great things. Like that's, they're not saying, you know what? You're a horrible person. No, they're saying, man, there's something about you that God has put in you that I could see, man, that's going to be phenomenal. That's going to be great. It's going to you know, be at this level. But there's also a responsibility with that, right? There's a responsibility to make sure that you kind of meet that standard, that you come up to that level and you live in that space. And I think that is why, where that may be kind of coming from, that idea of like, you know, it, you know, being anonymous, being in the dark means that there's no expectations. I can do what I want. I'm more free. But in reality, having that expectation is almost more freeing because now they're saying your limitations are endless. Like, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually what kind of sparked in my head as you're talking about that is I, I think about like when you're in darkness, like you don't need to like disguise your own personal sinful desires Mm. you know what i mean like we're really good at like um image (laughs) like people are really really good at image like they they know what's socially acceptable and that's what they present and 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 when we're in darkness there's none of those like outside restraints and and i think that's kind of like what you're talking Mm -hmm. about a little bit like there's no expectations on you there's no outside restraints and so the stuff that really is going on in our heart 
easily leaks out. Mm. Yeah, I think I think another word for this is like accountability. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like the tone that you had, Jamal, about it. it's not like accountability like Oh, dang, I really got to perform now or I'm in trouble. Like that is one aspect of it when you're in the darkness and you're anonymous, there's no accountability. But also, like you said, the expectation of like somebody, God, even looking at us and saying, this is what I see in you, though. Right. This is what I see. So there is accountability. There is an mm-hmm. expectation because he has so much better for where we are right now. Um, I was going to say, and I think sometimes for some people, some of that may be rooted in a fear of failure because what if I fail you know like I think sometimes it goes back to my performance you know my ability to perform in this moment or complete this tasks complete these tasks are directly tied to my value and that's really the antithesis of the gospel the gospel is saying no you have value because god says you have value you didn't do anything to earn this value you know there's nothing you can do to kind of like you know, um, to earn this value that God has placed on you. It is something that he says, you know what? You are my son, my daughter. You have value because you are mine. You were created in my, in my, uh, in the image of my likeness. And so I think that sometimes people, they like the anonymity because then they don't have to fear the possibility of falling short. And if they fall short, they may feel as though, well, I'm not worth Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. I'm not worth, um, you know, God, you know, uh, telling me that he loves me. I'm not worth these things because I have fallen short. But, you know, Paul makes it clear, man, all of, you know, fallen short for all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God for this indescribable gift that is Christ Jesus, who has paid our debt, you know, by his blood. Um, and to kind of one up that statement is like, he chose to go to the cross before the foundation of the earth was laid. So you had value before there was even like the the world. Like yeah. Like you had value. Christ Jesus was like, "Yo, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my life on the line for them before there was a them." Like and that's I mean, I I think I say it to the students, I say, "You know what? Before you were even born, you were already loved." before your parents, you know, even knew that you were a thing, like you were already loved because Jesus Christ purposed in his heart to die for humanity. Hmm. And so your value was never ever about what you did. It was always about who God said that you were. And yeah. he said that you were worthy uh, to be loved. So. I was gonna say anonymous, when I think of the word anonymous, you think of really isolation and loneliness and lacking relationship I and mean, if you're anonymous you're not known mm-hmm. by others and so you know that's why i think it's easy to you know, just do whatever you feel like because you're not in a relationship where you know you are being held accountable you're being held to a standard you are you are in a relationship where you know you might want to change and um mold you know who you are to you know meet maybe some of the aspects of that person that your relationship with, you know, be it God or be it, you know, one another, mm-hmm. um, you know, so when you're anonymous, you can just kind of do whatever you feel like because nobody cares and nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Consequence. Yeah. I mean, that kind of sounds like, and I think that goes along with accountability. Yeah, there's nothing. When you're, when you're in a group and you're in community, there's consequences for the choices you make. Right. When you're in the dark and nobody knows what you're doing, then there's no consequences, at least not initially. Right. 
you know. Well, Pastor Jeff shared the scripture. Jesus says in John 3.20, all those, all, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. And again, that idea of accountability. And he said, I thought this was so good. He said, Satan wants you to think that you're a statistic, mm-hmm. you're just a number, that you're just anonymous, so that what you do doesn't matter. Right. That's what he wants you to think. But then in the next verse of John 3.21, Jesus says, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And that's kind of like what I feel like what we were just yeah. hitting on. Mm-hmm. The, and so, the, yeah, yeah. The, I was going to say the words, you know, liken Satan unto, a, you know, a lion seeking to kill and destroy mm-hmm. and when you see predators going after a herd what do they look for the one that's isolated, isolated the one that's mm-hmm. away from the community the one yeah. that is you know not being apart and they take and so satan wants to isolate us he wants to make us feel like we are not apart like we are not in the group and isolate us and make us feel lonely and then he can start to feed us with his lies and devour us yeah yeah, and so that's the importance of community. And it's the importance, too, of recognizing those because maybe you it could be in community. I mean, even if you're listening to this, you probably knew about this because you came to church and heard that there's a podcast. So right. at some level, you're involved in community, but maybe you can still think to yourself, I'm alone, no one really knows me. Or maybe you can be attending, but not in community, not in relationship. Right. And so yeah. that's like so important. Yeah. And so Pastor Jeff talked about the light and life of being known by and knowing God. And in John ten three, Jesus says that he's the good shepherd. He says that he calls his sheep by name. And if you have a name, you have a purpose. And, you know, Jesus, uh, you, we could talk about John. There's the seven I am statements. I am the good shepherd. You know, I am uh, the way, the truth, and the life. Like he has these different statements. I am the bread of life, whatever. But this picture of Jesus being a shepherd, um, why is that significant? Or why is that important that he's the good shepherd and he knows his sheep by name. Jesus intentionally uses this picture, and then John writes that down. Why is that significant, you know, especially in light of our conversation right now? I don't know. Like, when I think about that and I try to picture it in my head, I I think of, like, this closeness that happens. I mean, if you're a shepherd and you're out in a field and you're living out in a field and basically your companions are your sheep— like you get to know them, you know, and, and you get to know their, their personalities and you, you care for them, you know, and, um, there's a certain sense of responsibility to them, you know, to take care of them. And, uh, just with, in my head, when I picture it, I picture it as here's this guy looking out for those who maybe can't even look out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And he's the protector. He's the one leading them to the place to eat the place to rest, the place to drink, you know, and it, it's just a very positive image. I, I'm sure when we think about our pets, the last thing that comes to mind is like, oh, I hate this dog. You know, maybe we say that, you know, because we're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, and the and the responsibility goes with it. But how many of us, when we think about taking care of, a, of, of shepherding our animals, <laughs> would be harsh? Mm-hmm. You know, we think about it in a caring way. Like, I love this stupid dog I got, and I'm going <laughs> to feed him, and I'm going to take him out because. And, and then when he gets sick, man, that breaks my heart. Even mm. though it's just a dog or whatever, yeah, you know? and, yeah. and it's kind of like a, like a, what I picture about Jesus and his attitude towards us. Mm-hmm. 
I I was just thinking Jesus as a shepherd, like when shepherds, like in the real world, have sheep, it the more sheep they have, like it elevates their status, mm-hmm. right? And so, like I was thinking, like, like Jesus as not only giving us His care, not only keeping us in line, not only knowing each and every one of us, but corralling you know us and keeping us out of danger and things like that. But but that the more we follow after him and the more um you know he he we respond to him it elevates him you know it elevates his Mm. status you know before the world so you know not only does he take care of us but then it's our responsibility to to elevate him you know as as our shepherd as our caregiver you know for what he's done for us that's really good yeah that it's and we talked about this actually last night in Young Adults for a while. We were talking about the idea of fearing God and mm. uh, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, w- we have to realize that it's not about us. And when we get to that place, actually, mm. it's wonderful. That's when that scripture in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching a video by Francis Chan, but that's what he said. Like Once you realize it's not about you, actually, that's when you experience that freedom that mm-hmm. there's nothing else I need to fear. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. even the fact that God knows my name and he cares about me, that mm-hmm. he's the good shepherd and I, I'm just a sheep. When I understand that relationship, it actually glorifies him mm-hmm. and exalts him to other people around us. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, thinking about this, I think wrapping up kind of everything we're talking about, Pastor Jeff, he said this, he said, if God knows your name, then you matter. And if you matter, fear not, he's redeemed us. And I think it's a great way to end. That's kind of where he ended his sermon. But, you know, I thought about this, and I think we'll continue to unpack it in the series. But, you know, it's great. Okay, so God knows my name. He has value. And I think the idea is, like, so not only do you have value, but there's purpose, you know, for you. So, you know, how how do we know that God has purpose? Like, I think about there's, like, 7 billion people alive right now. So it's, like, same thing. All right, I guess God knows me, but... So, so there's something beyond that as well, though. Like, can you unpack that for maybe a minute? Like, okay. Sorry, I, I was <laughs> trying to ask a question. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. Maybe yeah, I yeah, just yeah. said Pastor, it. He had Pastor Todd had to look like he was. I was like, oh, okay. No, yeah, no, I no. Was I kind of throttled back. Like no, I, when you were talking about that, it just popped into my head the scripture that says that we were created to do good works. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wasn't just created to be a robot. I wasn't right. created to be a faceless person. I was created and known by God, gifted by God, Mm -hmm. because he does have a plan for my life. And he has Mm -hmm. a plan for my life to glorify him and to impact other people. And, and like, there's something personal about that. There is something really personal about that, to think that God gifted me, knowing who I am with all my strengths and all my weaknesses that I don't have. No, (laughs) yeah, I wish. Uh, And... And knowing that he, like, so personally has a plan for me that perfectly matches who he created me to be. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very, like, mm, yeah. yeah. And I think maybe if there's somebody who's listening to this and they, they might say to themselves, oh, well, that's easy for Pastor Todd to say because Pastor Todd's a children's pastor. You know, like, he he's directly impacting, you know, young young lives in this way. But what about me? And I would say to that person, God has uniquely placed you where you are to make an impact. Mm-hmm. So somewhere may, where Pastor Todd isn't, right? right. Pastor so, Todd's not there. Where right. I could never be. Right. You know, missionary Tara Matthews is not 
at your job right wherever he's placed you exactly at your school in your family right Mm -hmm. you have access to your sphere of influence for a reason for a purpose um and god wants to use you in that circle in that sphere and it's not it's not foreign for him because i can i'm just thinking of the person who would try to kind of like debunk this but it's not it's not foreign for god to take broken people and do incredible things and so you could sit there in that space and think to yourself well here's what i don't have i don't have pastor todd's you know communicative skills i don't have pastor bonnie's you know uh, musical skills and and you know what that's okay Mm -hmm. but you do have something that god has given you Mm -hmm. find what that thing is Mm -hmm. anchor into who god is and watch him do incredible things i think think about um um the bi- the boy who brought his lunch you know uh five loaves two yeah. fish you know yeah. he brought what he had before the lord and he multiplied it and so i think sometimes we we try to look at what we have compare it to the person to the left or the right of us and say well i don't have this instead of putting it in the hands of the one who can multiply it and so you could sit there and say well um you know how how can i make an impact well sit before the lord really just examine your heart say god what do do i bring to the table and i'm a firm believer that when we come before the lord and say what do i bring to the table god speaks to us in those moments because he it just brings him absolute joy to be able to release and unleash his children into their god-given purpose i just i just personally believe that and so when we take that time to sit before the lord whoever you are maybe you're sitting there now and you're like oh man i don't know no you have a purpose god wants to use you in incredible ways I th- when we think about when I ever hear the word purpose and you know think about seven billion people how could God have a purpose for seven billion people you know individually and I think sometimes when we think about that word purpose like God has a purpose for my life we make it into in some something so huge in our mind like it's got to be this big grand like action or a big grand like process or whatever but one of my favorite songs actually is um, called dream small it's by Josh Wilson um, and the beginning lyrics start out like this. It's a mama singing songs about the Lord. It's a daddy spending family time that the world said he can't afford. Mm. These simple moments change the world. It's a pastor at a tiny little church, 40 years of loving for the broken and the hurt. These simple moments change the world. Yeah. Like, wow. like yeah. your, you know, somebody's purpose could be, you know, just, just coming alongside an individual at your workplace and, and loving them and talking with them daily because maybe you're the only person who ever talks to them or, you know, giving a smile and a, and a just, you know, kind gesture to somebody in the store or, you know, just raising your kids in the love of the Lord. I mean, you know, small, seemingly insignificant things we make, you know, we, we value things in our mind, I think way differently than God values them. And right, something that's yeah. seemingly so small to us is his Eternally his you. grand purpose right. for us. Yeah. And it's huge yeah. for God. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's that's absolutely that's true. Yeah. Um yeah, that scripture verse that we were all referencing, Ephesians two ten, it's one of my favorite verses. This is the NLT for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Mm-hmm. And um, just a beautiful thing that God says to us. And so, Pastor Jeff closed. Um, prisoners have numbers, but children have names. God knows his children, and you matter to him. And so we can walk in the works that he's planned for us, even in the small things, mm-hmm. the things that are, um, to us, maybe we think they're insignificant, mm-hmm. but they're so significant to God. Absolutely. The last thought I have, just from what you said off that, and then we'll close, but... Um, 
there, there's a book that we're reading as a staff, and uh, in the chapter we talked about today, he mentioned a lot of times we think we want God's plan, and we're we want to know step A to step Z, or we think it's A to Z, but God's like it's A to B, and then B to C, mm-hmm. and then that's how it works. So mm-hmm. again, you can be listening and thinking like, oh, like all right, so God's plan for me. I'm at A, you know, what is God's plan? What's Z? Like, what is the end goal? And the plan is, what are you doing today? And can you go from A to B today? Because tomorrow is B to C. So you need to go to A to B today. Like, that, that just kind of like clicked for me when I yeah. Yeah, we might that. We may never see his purpose for us this side of heaven. Hmm. We may not see until we get to heaven and see all the little things that added up to his big picture for what our lives affected. And then we'll see. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know? That's actually one of Steph's prayers all the time mm-hmm. for her preschool kids. She's mm-hmm. like, I may not ever see them graduate high mm-hmm. school because I only have them for this, you know, two years. She ends up having most of them. But can we stand from afar and worship God for what he's doing in these kids' lives, mm-hmm. even though I never see the promise fulfilled myself? Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. What a perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some plants, some water. That's right. That's it. Did you guys catch the second half of the Super Bowl or not really? I did not. Did you get to watch it, yeah. see any highlights? What'd you yeah. think? What, yeah. what were your thoughts? I was very surprised at the comeback. I was I thought for sure 49ers were gonna take it. And I was like yeah. Yeah. And the rest of my family was like, No, we're rooting for the underdogs, we're rooting for Chiefs and I'm like, Yeah, but 49ers is a bet like a great team. It's, they're gonna yeah, yeah. they're gonna take it and the yeah. whole time and then they and Joe's like, No, but they're known for coming back in the end and that's what I did, yeah. 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 It was close. When I got home, I got home just as the as the second uh, the the I was about to show my stupidity. I was going to say second ending. That's <laughs> 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 the second quarter. <laughs> I knew that. Uh, the second quarter was finishing up and I'm like it's 10-10. I'm like this is going to be a great finish, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And then and then it was. It was pretty exciting, so. Yeah. yeah. Did you were you guys rooting for anybody or I guess just the underdogs? I think it's where most people were around yeah. here. Uh, oh, Liz- okay. Elizabeth is a huge, huge Eagles fan, mm-hmm. and so I just root for whoever she tells me to root <laughs> for. <laughs> and and so she was like, and I, I don't even remember which team. I think it was the 49ers. It's one of their coaches used to be an Eagles. Yeah. Oh, one of the Eagles. Coaches. Uh, Andy Reid yes. used to be an Eagles coach. So yes. Andy so Reid was. Uh, Andy Reid coaches the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, oh, okay. okay, okay yeah, so, okay, but okay. but Andy Reid used to be the Eagles coach for for us. So she's so okay. she was rooting for them. So so was I. There you go, <laughs> Chiefs. Then she. There you go. Well, and uh, what's his name? Garoppolo from 49ers studied under Brady. So I think right. some people were kind of like <laughs> didn't want him to win. I did not. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't want that. I didn't want him to win. <laughs> I, nah, I, I, they were like he was being groomed in New England to be Brady's cor- backup, but then. You know, then they were like, you know what, let's ship him out. And so, I, to me, he's a product of the school of Brady, and I just want to see him go down. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I said it. I don't care. And he did. And he yeah. did. God he is did. good. Yeah. Well, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is a Christian. I Rebecca said that to me. I go, there. I'm like every quarterback that wins the Super Bowl is a Christian. I'm like every <laughs> yes. time I hear it, but she's like, I no, did no. this for the glory of God. But I, <laughs> every time. But no, there's a video. Actually, somebody posted it on our church Facebook. But. uh it's uh, it was me by the way. That was, was it was a joke. But I posted. There's a video of him talking about faith and like. Okay. Uh, it was recorded. I think at the beginning of the season, he was talking about how, uh, he's in a Bible study every Friday. Like just how important faith is to him and how it's impacted him as a player. Cool. So it's cool. So I shared it. Um, but anyways. Yeah. So. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. 
Peace. Right. Have a good day.